What a blessing it is to be here. Please turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. You know, this has been an interesting journey for me. The, uh, so often when we think of the Sermon on the Mount, we think of the Beatitudes, the, you know, the first part of chapter 5. But he's still up there and he's still teaching and equipping his, the disciples here. And so this has been, um, as he lays some of this out, it's been really interesting. And so how many of you in here have ever served as a waiter or waitress? Anybody? few of you? Okay. How many of you have ever been served by a waiter or waitress? Just check it. All right. Now, have you ever, my waiter and waitresses, have you ever messed up an order, given somebody the wrong food? One. It happens, right? Nobody's perfect. Have you, as, a, as somebody who's been waited on, have you ever received a mixed up order? Anybody ever gotten the wrong stuff as a recipient? We do. Here's the thing. We, uh, we sometimes forget who we're serving. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Who are we serving? It's so easy to get busy with life and it's so easy to get busy in Christianity, in Christian service, that our eyes move away from where they need to be in our service. And so we're going to be talking about this that this morning as we ask, whom do you serve? We're going to be focusing on practicing righteousness, providing for the poor, and, and praying for others. And so we're going to pick up in verse 1 and read down through verse 8. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so, they that may, so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not lift your left hand, Know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you pray... Uh, but you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for uh, the fact that you do know and that you are giving us instruction here as you did to your own disciples. And Father, we as your disciples want to hear from you. And so I pray that your voice will be clear to us today, that we will know exactly what you want. We'll know exactly what your plan is. And Father, I ask you to speak to our hearts individually. Thank you for your love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Well, he begins by talking about practicing righteousness. And he uses a word that is an alert word for us. He uses the word beware. Anytime you walk up somewhere and you see the sign that says beware, there's usually some sort of danger or some sort of a trap or some sort of a problem that could create serious harm to you. Beware of dog. Beware of wet concrete. Beware of the hole that has opened up in the street. You know, there's a uh, hundred things that we use that for, and they're usually serious. It indicates danger. And so we cannot take this lightly. When he uses that, that word is not used a lot in the New Testament. So we cannot take this lightly. He tells us to beware. We're told not to practice our righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Now, when we talk about practice, when we think about practice, many of us think that, you know, practice makes perfect, right? We practice something uh, for a period of time and that makes it perfect. And so we're to practice our righteousness or not supposed to practice it before men. So the more that we practice our righteousness, then we get better at righteousness. Is that right? No, that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about improving our righteousness because here's why. When we were saved, when you came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, who, whose righteousness was sufficient, his or yours? His. And we are given, we are imputed, we're told, with the righteousness of Christ so that we have a righteousness that's acceptable to God because anything that I can do through human effort is self-righteousness. Do y'all follow me? Okay. And so then why would he tell us to practice that? What does he mean by practice? Well, you need to think about it like this. Um, we go, you, many of you have been to a doctor before, right? You go to a doctor, you go to a physician's practice. It's the expression of what they've learned and studied and are equipped with to be able to be a benefit to you. And so when he talks about practicing our righteousness, he's not talking about practicing it to get it right, practicing it to make it better, practicing it so that you can get the flaws out. He's talking about living out the righteousness that God gave you. So we, but we don't do it so that men will go, oh, look at Bob over there. Wow, he is so righteous. Because that undermines the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God was not meant to elevate. The righteousness of God humbles us before him. Because when we realize what it is, and we realize what he did for us when he gave it to us, the only proper response is gratitude. When he did for us what we couldn't do, it should be a humbling thing. And so when we're allowing the righteousness of God to be expressed through our life, that only happens in a humble state. Because we're told in the Bible that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so we can't do that with pride. And so Jesus is dealing with that here because at that time, the religious leaders and people were held up on a pedestal. They were looked up to. They were um, revered. 
That's where the word reverend comes from. That's why I hate that word. <laughs> because we're to revere nobody but God. And when I hear ministers use that word reverend, I just, I can't stand it. Please don't ever call me that. I should have never. <laughs> James just got the biggest smile that I. <sighs> know your audience, Stephen. We're to revere nobody but God. That's who we're supposed to call, be called in reverence to. We're the same, ladies and gentlemen. We bow before the same God and we're in love with the same one who died and gave his life for us. And so he talks about practicing and he talks about righteousness, which is the expression of God through us, not self-righteousness, not my own, my own piety, if you will. And so he says, as you're serving, in other words, he's prepping them for service. As you're serving, don't get out there and let it become about you when I'm working through you. Don't let it, don't start getting elevated, getting the big head because of what I'm doing. Let them see me in you and don't get in the way. And so we have to ask ourselves when we're serving, what is our intent in doing it? Is it so people will notice us or so they'll notice God? See, that the heart is the question. Why we're serving? Why we're doing these things? Has God led you to it? And we must check and judge rightly. I love this question. And I'm going to give it to you this morning. And I'm going to tell you, it is a little bit of a trick question. I, don't ever, I usually never give trick questions without telling you they're a trick question. Which is more godly, taking your son on a mission trip, or taking your son to a baseball game. Which is more godly? Our natural thinking would say the mission trip, right? But if God wants me at that baseball game and I'm going on a mission trip and I'm not where God wants me to be, wouldn't the baseball game be more godly? See, we categorize things by activity. It may be that there's somebody that's going to sit down next to me that needs to overhear a comment that I say to my son, and it could change their life. It could be an answer to their prayers. Have you ever heard somebody in a conversation and it was an answer to your prayer? I have. Something they said was the answer I was looking for. I was stuck in a problem, and I was like, Lord, I just don't see it. I don't see it. And then we want God to say, Mark, well, you don't want him to say that. You want to insert your name here. But, Mark, this is what you should do. God doesn't have to do that. He'll use someone else's conversation and apply it to you. He's so, isn't that amazing how God does that? And so we have to ask ourselves, see, our reward is not found by others recognizing that we're godly. Our reward is found in us being used to the point that others see God. Not that they see that we're godly, but that they see Him. Does that make sense? And so why we serve matters. The reason that we serve matters. Why we're doing it. You have to ask yourself why you're doing it. 
And see, it's so easy to forget who we're serving. We serve, if I go out and I'm doing something so people think that I'm super holy and all this, who am I serving by doing that? Me. Right. Me. That's not, that's not for God. And so that's what he's addressing here about practicing. We practice the righteousness that we're given by allowing him to express himself in and through us. Because really, <laughs> you know, I got thinking about this the other day. Self, we see the word self-righteousness in here, isn't it? Don't we? In the Bible. Do you realize there's really no such thing? Because we can't be righteous in and of ourselves. What it is, is a deception, a self-deception to think that we're good. Because we're eating of that tree. We got talking about the trees this morning in class. The tree. Remember the two trees in the garden? You know, Catching everybody up. Oh, yeah. The two trees that are in the garden, like the two trees we have in the sanctuary. We think there's kind of a, a good tree and an evil tree, right? That's kind of what we think. The problem is, is one of the trees was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One of them, not two. And one was a tree of life. But we separate good and evil that way, and we follow that. We follow that example, and that's not biblical. I can trust good things, like taking my son on a mission trip, and think that makes me godly, and it doesn't. Especially if that's not where God wants me. We have to be in the center of God's will, and listening and paying attention, and allowing Him to express with the gifts and talents. See, the thing is, if you've, been, if you've been saved, you've been given spiritual gifts. Now, typically what you hear at this point is, go use them. I'm going to tell you, don't even try that. You've been, spiritual, you've been given spiritual gifts meant to be wielded by the Holy Spirit of God as you abide in Christ. And when you abide in Christ, they come alive. And you recognize needs around you. And you're there at the right moment when things are needed. And God uses you. And people will say, how did you know? You say, I didn't know. But God did. And that's how it works. And so why we serve matters. And then he talks to them about the poor. When you give to the poor, he tells them and gives them some instructions about that. Don't do it like the hypocrites who sound a trumpet before the synagogue so they can be honored by men. Well, why would he call them hypocrites? They're giving to the poor? Here, I'm giving to the poor. If you sound a trumpet before you give to the poor, who are you giving to when you sound the trumpet? Yourself. So you're taking that which is meant for somebody else and taking. You're not giving, you're taking. That's why they're hypocrite. And what's a hypocrite by definition? Somebody who says one thing and does another. They say they're giving, but they're actually taking. He said, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't be like them. 
they're showing one thing but really doing another. You know, you want to, here's an interesting fact about this, and a historical fact. You know, they're, they're inside the synagogues, there was um, collection points for the poor. You know, they were actually shaped like trumpets. Interesting. And Jesus talks about them blowing trumpets. Because we really don't see anywhere where that other than right here, any recordings of that other than here in Scripture. And so they get these trumpet things that they give into and for the poor, and it's meant for the poor, not for you. Then he says one of the most strange things, and I've heard so many, so many uh, different interpretations of this, is I tried to go back into culture and into the writings, um, and I ended up doing kind of a deep dive with this. It was kind of fun. He, he says this, he makes this comment. He says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Anybody ever hear, I've heard a sermon on that? <coughs> not letting your left hand and your right hand know what the other one's doing? We need puppets for this. I have heard so many different interpretations of this, but you know what I did is I went back to God's Word. What a concept. And I will tell you, here's some of the things that I found. When blessing was given to children, it was with the right hand. That's how Jacob passed the blessing, was with his right hand, he laid his right hand. Remember they switched the hands? Isn't that interesting? The left hand was considered despised. When a soldier went into war, he yielded his right hand the sword, which gave, and the shield was always in the left hand, which was about me and protected me. That's all through scripture. In the Levitical priesthood, priests were accepted or rejected based upon whether they were right-handed or left-handed. Did you know that? Left-handed, if you were left-handed, they were rejected as a priest. They could not serve. When we get to the sheep and goats judgment, he places the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. There's a cultural thing that went on. This is before Charmin was created, and you can see where that's going. You greeted somebody with the right hand of fellowship, and the left hand was considered unclean. When you read the right hand of God in Scripture, it's usually delivering God's power where the left was consumed itself. There's another verse in the Old Testament that talks about the wise are found on the right, but the, the unwise uh, yield to their left. And it's actually talked about as north and south also, and the right was to the south, where the left was to the north. And we talked about judgment coming in, in negative and, and things like that. But what it comes down to is this. As I studied it, and as I looked at all these things, there was nothing definitive. I was looking for where this was used in cultural um, phraseology of the time, and I couldn't find it. So when it's silent, we don't speak. But here's what it comes down to is this. 
The simplest understanding is the right hand gave and the left hand received. If you look at this. So when he's saying, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. When you're serving and when you're giving, don't you get in there and take from it. Don't you take something from that. Don't let that become about you. That matches. And so he's not talking. And there's some, I saw a lot of stuff on saying, well, you're to do it so secret that you barely know it. How is that even possible? <laughs> Don't take when you're giving. Don't take when you're trying to help somebody else. Let it be about them. Let it be about Jesus and them. Let them be transformed by Him. We're said we're the hands and feet of Christ, right? We've said that before. We talk about why if <laughs> we have a purpose here, and if we didn't have a purpose, why didn't He just take us when He saved us? He saved, left us here for a reason. So that we could go and make disciples, so we could compel men to come into the house of the Lord. Translated, bring your friends to church. <laughs> you have a purpose, and don't think that you don't. Well, I'm not like so-and-so, and I'm not like this person or that person. Thank God you're not like them, because you're not called to that. You're like you. And you're pretty awesome. Amen? Amen. Amen. Oh my. <laughs> You're pretty awesome. The way God made you is perfect. Isn't that cool? Some of us say, well, he could have improved on this. <laughs> we, we always do. Isn't that funny how our mind goes to the negative things or the things that we wish we did better? How many of you right now can think of something that you wish was improved in your life? How many of you right now can think of something you're really amazing at? Look at the, the hands were different. Did you notice that? We didn't have the same number of hands go up. We talk, talked about that in class too. You know, it is not humility to not admit the truth. The world will tell you that. Now, if you do it and you make it about you, let's say I was a great baseball player just for the sake of conversation. Is it is it sin to deny that fact? Is it sin to accept that fact and say, yeah, you know, I'm relatively all right? I don't think so. Recognizing what God's given you, the talents and gifts and spiritual gifts, and aptitudes. Where are my math people? There should be at least one in every relationship. <laughs> okay, let me ask it this way. Who does who does the checkbook at home? <laughs> What's the checkbook? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not right. Joe, it's like that. <laughs> who balances the bank statements every month? The bank. the bank does. We just make we we have an entry called ADJ to change it to the bank. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's terrible. Does anybody here own a typewriter? <laughs> just asking. So, yeah, it's funny how things change. Providing for the poor, give in secret. 
Give in secret, so with no selfish motive, so your father. And see, you know what the reward is? Is they get to see him. We think about the reward is for us. Maybe the reward is they don't see you and they see him. That's a pretty cool reward, isn't it? And we get to see them see God. That's a gift. Now, there could be more to this. But we need to table that and leave that in the hand of God. And not in our hand. And so we see that providing for the poor. Listen, don't steal your own blessing. <laughs> don't steal your own blessing. Then, third, we're told to pray or, or pray for others. Um, when you pray, don't do it for the eyes of other men. If you do, what you're doing is putting on a show of religious piety to gain attention for yourself. That's why you have your reward in full. So if I'm doing it, let's say I want to impress Louise back there. And so I pray with all this flowery language, oh, thy will, and, and I come up with all this stuff. You've heard people. And in my heart, I'm going, man, I hope we hears that thinks I'm a really good, good prayer. And I talked to Luis later, and Luis says, man, that was a really cool prayer. That was, it was really inspiring. You really prayed good. That's my reward. Because I got what I was seeking. But I will not get the request that I made. And so, God is a silent party here. We're using God to build ourselves up. I think that's a, that's a long heart. When I talk to God, it's for God. And the person I'm interceding for. I actually started doing that with some of my connections, on my social connections. Thinking I pray for you, and just, or, I, or I saw their story and just prayed for them. Let them know, I just prayed for you tonight. And it's amazing the responses I've gotten. Because people are not used to people really caring genuinely like that for them. They're almost suspicious sometimes. <laughs> That's sad. What have we become? Then it dawned on me, maybe there's a ministry opportunity into our community here by social media praying. How many of you have ever, ever been in a situation that was kind of a dark place for you and you wish you had somebody there with you to pray? There you go. There you go. But you're not going to call anybody, right? You're not going to call somebody and say, hey, it's kind of, it's kind of, the light's going out over here, could you pray? We're not going to do that. We just suffer in silence. And then we go to church and we go, I'm fine. Are you doing fine? You doing fine? I'm fine. You're fine. We're all fine. The truth is, you're not always fine. And the truth is, I'm not always fine either. And I'm not going to pretend. And I won't pretend. Not with you. Or with anybody, for that matter. <laughs> or who would you? Because we're not being genuine. And we can't minister to one another because we're called to encourage each other on a love and good works. And we can't do that if we don't know what's going on. Now, we don't want to get into your business. I mean, I'm not here to, all right, now what's up with you, Bob? 
But we're here for one another. Loving one another. Linking arms. Walking. Building. Laying the foundation. The proper foundation. On which God can build the house. That's what we're called to. And so we'll pray. We pray in secret. Pray in secret. If your prayers are meant for God, then go be with Him. Here's the good news. If you do, God will hear you and reward your prayers. And then He adds this other little thing. And I have to, I'll tell you a personal story in this. When you pray, don't use meaningless repetition. Your eloquence and volume of prayer language is not what moves God. Now, I will tell you, God confronted me in that very thing. I used to have a list of what I would pray for, and there were things that God said to pray for. So I would pray for those things. Every night it was the same thing, and I hadn't prayed until I prayed those same things. And it wasn't something that a church came up with, it was something that I came up with. I prayed for my leaders, I prayed for this, I prayed, but it was the same prayer, it was just a can. And I was down praying one night, and God said, are you done yet? And I was like, uh, I guess I am now. <laughs> he said, when are you going to really talk to me? And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, when are you going to talk to me? Those things are coming out of my heart. He wants us to talk to him from our heart. The things he tells us to pray about should flow out of our heart. Not just because we should. Because we're back to self-righteousness, right? You see how this works? It's so subtle, though. We think we're doing the right thing, and we think we're... And, we leave, and our heart leaves out of it, and then we're dry bones just going through the motions. You ever done that in church? Welcome. I get it. I get it. I've gone through the motions. God is so cool how he does it though. And it was really hard for me to pray that night after God confronted me because I didn't know what to say. I had my little thing down. But then once I really started talking with God from my heart, I started to see things change. And so when you pray for others, <laughs> Don't trust in your own efforts to be heard by him. See, he already knows our needs. He already tells us that. The reason you're heard, I want you to remember this. The reason you're heard is relationship equals hearing. Did God hear my prayers when I was doing my little can thing? It's a trick question. He did hear them. That's why he said, when are you going to talk to me? He did hear them. And that's why he addressed it. Because he couldn't leave me there. He couldn't leave me in a state where my heart wasn't expressive to him. Then I had a conversation with him about, a, I think it was about two, three weeks ago. And I was just laying it down. I was like, well, God, why is it this and that? That's not fair. And this and that. And he goes, oh, yeah, what about you? And he started, I was like, oh. <laughs> and uh, he was kind of laying it back at me. And I was like, ooh, I don't really like God's tone. things like that. <laughs> And I was like, ooh, I better, maybe I need to adjust my attitude. <laughs> because I, I'm good with knowing it just this is good correction received. <laughs> Let's not go further. But he was very honest with me, too. He answered me. You know, because I was talking to him from my heart. 
and there's a difference. And so, relationship, he will hear you because you're in a relationship with him. If it's real, if you're saved, he'll hear you. And so, if we're going to understand who we serve, because it's easy to forget, folks. We get busy, and, and our, our ministry and our fruit really goes to other people. And we think we're, after a while, we start to focus on the, the direct impact, which is the people, and what we're doing for them. And we think that that's something, and it is something. But the most important thing isn't the sandwich, and it isn't even the words. It's God himself interacting with them, right? If our ministry can help people to interact directly with God, we've done our jobs. If we teach people to fish, if we teach people to become disciple makers, then we've done our job. It doesn't ever have to be about me. Nobody can come to my funeral. Who cares? I told them in prayer meeting, I, I decided what I want them to say at my funeral. I said, when they're standing there, I want them to say, ooh, he moved. <laughs> That's terrible. I thought it was funny. Give us false hope. <laughs> And so if we're going to understand who, and not forget who we serve, we must avoid seeking religious recognition from men. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? I know people that seek this their whole lives. They want accolades of men. I could care less. You could put, you could put 100,000 people in this room. Or 10. You know, not We could do, Jesus did, Jesus had thousands show up and he sent them away because he knew their heart. And he took the disciples and took them aside and taught and equipped them. Look what's happened with people whose hearts were right. It's about heart, folks, not about volume. But volume comes because of our relationships with others that don't know the Lord. Anybody know people that aren't saved? Anybody know people that are not in church because they've been hurt or burned out and they just they're exhausted? Anybody know people like that? Fantastic. Fantastic. We're that's part of our, James and I were talking about that this morning. That's why we started the Facebook group Living the Exchange Life. Is to help them. Help them. And it's a tool for you to use. Invite them. If you haven't found it yet, go ahead and go ahead and join. And we're going to talk about overcoming that. Because I've been there. I've been burned out in church. Ah, ministry. Yeah, so are you. We're all in ministry together. This is what I'm doing. There's things you're doing too. We're in this together. And so don't avoid seeking religious recognition from men. Seeing God work in the life of another will charge your batteries far more than having people give you accolades. Seeing the hand of God work is what will charge you. When you see somebody turn their life over to Christ, because uh, the, you, you, and you know it's genuine because he spoke to them, man, that'll fire you faster than anything. And I hope they don't give me any credit. If, and listen, if I save somebody, they're lost. <laughs> If Jesus saves them, they're saved and they're saved forever. And that's the way it works. 
Two, give as a gesture of the love of God to bless others. Listen, we live out of gratitude. Paul said, it's the grace of Christ, or the love of Christ that constrains me to go. He was, it was gratitude. It was God's love, not his instruction and correction. It was his love that motivates. Love motivates people. Well, I'll tell you what, you find somebody in love, man, they are motivated. Motivated. Parents, have you ever had your kid in love? And had to deal with that? They are motivated. Have you ever been in love and had obstacles? You find ways to get around them, don't you? Woo! I had to be with that girl or boy I love. There's got to be a way. We've got to find a way. Love motivates. Lists do not motivate. How's that working out at home? Give your kid a list of chores. Oh, yeah. That gets done every week, don't it? Right? Can't help it if that I was the exception. <laughs> Lists don't motivate us. Telling you what to do and what you ought not do, that ain't going to motivate you. You don't need that from me. The truth is, we already know what's right and wrong, don't we? Right, don't you? And if you don't know, you're going to find out. You're going to seek it out. Because I know who you guys are. And so, give out of gratitude. Let God lead you as you give to others. Remember. Remember this. It's difficult to receive. It's really difficult to receive. So don't make it harder. When you're younger, it's a lot easier. When you're a kid, it's easy to receive. That's all you want. It's all about you, 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 you. But when you're older and you need, anybody here ever been in need before? I have. Terry, Terry and I had $3 to our name once. We didn't know how we were going to make things happen. The people gave to us. And it was hard to accept that. Because you feel less than, right, when you receive. But it's not. What God was doing was creating an opportunity for somebody to be a blessing. And so if you're the opportunity, if you're in that position today, and you're the opportunity for somebody to... to Receive a blessing because they give. Let them give. But give God the glory. And don't steal their blessing away. I, this is a true story. I had a friend that did a funeral for, there was a, a widow, she, she was, the husband had just died. And so he widowed her. And they were, very, they were living on social security, barely making it. And uh, he, they did, he did the funeral for them. And after the funeral, the widow went up and handed him a $20 bill. And he, that was a lot for her. And he said, widow so-and-so, you keep that. Go and find some groceries. And she ripped him a good one. She said, don't, and at the end of it, she said, don't you dare try to steal my blessing. And he sheepishly took it and put it back in his pocket. And he said, thank you so much. <laughs> and he learned a lesson. Is that we have to let God work in others. 
And sometimes receiving is part of being a blessing to them. And so remember that. Remember that. Don't make it harder. Three. Remember, prayer is meant for the ears of God, not to impress other people. When you pray, you need to be thinking about who you're talking to, not who can hear you. And it's real subtle. It's real subtle. And we make it worse by having conversations about who's a good prayer and who isn't. Well, so-and-so, I remember in the church I grew up, so-and-so, that deacon, man, he could pray. I think God hears an honest prayer much faster than he does one that's all flowery and eloquent. Unless that's how somebody normally talks and that's their heart. Because then for them, that's honest. And so remember who you're talking to when arrogance, self-righteousness, and the acceptance or recognition of others gets in the way, then we're moving, uh, gets out of the way, then we're moving toward genuine prayer. When we get those things out of the way, then we're moving toward gen uh, genuine prayer. It needs to be God and others focused for God's ears and for their, their best. That's it. That's it. And you know what? We need to be a praying church. We need to be a praying church. I would invite you all to join us on Sunday mornings at 9.30. 9.30. For prayer. We need to be praying. That's where the churches that God used to change the world were birthed on their knees. Not based on activity. And so, I would invite you to come. You know, there was a there was this rich, cynical businessman. And he had somebody on his staff. And he said, if you show me truly and act, he said, his phrase to him was this. If you show me a truly unselfish act, I will give you a $100 bill. And so his employee loaded him up in his car and they went down to where the homeless were. And he said, pick one out. And uh, so the boss picks one out. He goes and hands the guy 10 bucks. And he goes back, said, there you go. There's an unselfish act. And the boss starts to correct him and then stops. The man that he gave the $10 to said, hey, I've got a tenner. I've got a tenner. Let's all go get something to eat. They took everybody around him to go buy food. And he said, you, sir, did it to get the $100. That was not an unselfish act. That was selfish. I did witness an unselfish act, but it wasn't by you. It was by him who gave to them, and he was in need. And he said, so here's your 100 bucks." And the man was so heartbroken, he walked back over to the guy and gave him the $100. And said, here you go. See, when we give to others, it needs to not be for our benefit. When we serve, it's not for us. It's for them. And it's about heart. And that's what Jesus was talking about. Because it's easy, even after going through brokenness, even after going through the journey, to get you to resurrect yourself <laughs> and to get back in a position where you're doing it to feed your own idea of what I need to be. 
We are what God made us to be. Amen? We don't become anything more or less by what we do. But we participate based on the leading of God and the joy of following Him. That's why we serve. That's why we're motivated because we have an honest relationship, a conversation, not just to check a box. Not just to say I did it or for people to think that I'm any good at anything. I really don't want anybody to ever see me. I want them to see Him. That's why we pray that way. Let them hear your voice, what you have to say, because that's the only thing that matters here in these moments is what God has to say to you. And it's amazing how God will know exactly what's going on in your life and he'll pick something out, a phrase or something, and it's like exactly that. And I had no idea. I thought I was making some other... It's really cool to me to hear that because I know that God's at work. And you know what? I don't ever have to hear that. Because it ain't about me. It's about Him. And that's the way it's supposed to be. And that's everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.